0: You are now listening to the Socks and Sandals Podcast. Peace, family. My name is Emmanuel Williams. I am the creator and curator of the Socks and Sandals Podcast. Now, I would estimate that if you are here, if you are listening to this, you are someone that is a very thoughtful person. You take the time to go past what is just given by, the, by social media, by the traditional media, and you're ser- you're searching and you're seeking out atypical forms of media, s- specifically black media, right? You wanna hear unapologetic conversations about race, about religion, about empowerment, about entrepreneurship. There's all these things that can equip you to live a better life. One of the things that I have noticed for myself that has been invaluable to a point is having an amazing, solid, rock solid, foundational grasp of what racism is and how it works. Okay, I cannot stress how important it is to know it, because once everything clicked, once I had that awareness the world changed it's crazy you don't know how ignorant you are until you're not ignorant right and as much as I would read and as much as I thought I knew I had no idea about what racism was and how it worked you know we always tend to blur the lines between racism and racial prejudice. And these are two totally different things. I cannot stress how different they are and how they function It's two totally different things. And because we, as a people in America and even around the globe, because we don't know what racism is and how it works and how it operates, we are at a strong disadvantage. To the actual racist That think speak and act in that manner And that Run the world in this manner Right And so I have created a four week Digital course called Know your enemy Alright and this course takes We we go back To the 15th century Alright We go back to Western Europe Spain, Portugal We go back to to the Pope's You know, Roman Catholicism, we go back to all of that. We get to the foundation. We get we get to the root of modern day racism, white supremacy. Okay, And I'm telling you, once we once we wipe out massive ignorance, then we can actually get somewhere and make progress. But the reason why we keep having similar marches, similar protests, similar messaging, we go back to the 60s. Damn, we go, we go back to the 20s. You got black people fighting for the same thing. And now that there's more immigrants, you have non-white people, Hispanic, Asian, but primarily at this point in time, as we see with the George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Bianca Taylor murders, black people fighting for the same thing. And even white people getting in, fighting, fighting the system but we don't even know what the system is and how it works we don't know how it came to be okay and so until we have a supreme knowledge of what it is we are going to continue to go in circles i promise you actually i don't even have to promise you you can just look at history and see how things have been going and nobody knows what to do and be- and nobody knows what to do because they don't know what they're up against. And they don't know how racism works, how it operates. They don't know when it was established, why it was established. They don't know how it dehumanizes. They don't know a racist thought from a prejudice thought. They don't know racist speech from prejudice speech. They don't know racist action from prejudice action. They don't know how the system works. All right. Email me socks and sandals podcast at gmail.com. Put course in the subject line. Put your name and number in there. I'm going to give you a call. We're going to do a 15 to 20 minute call. It's a quick call to make sure that this course is right for you. There's only 12 spots. Okay. I'm only doing 12. This is going to start the second week of, of September. If you're ready for that truth, if you're ready for change, if you're ready to rid yourself of ignorance, not from a shame point, but just a, a point of equipping yourself so that you can actually build, okay? And so we can stop going in circles. Hit me up, socks and sandals podcast at gmail.com. All right, now let's get to the show with Jane Elliott and William Johnson. Grace and peace. So we'll just get to this thing. So you guys ready?
1: All right, I am.
0: All right, let's go. <laughs> what up, everybody? I want to welcome you all back to the Socks and Sandals podcast, where society, culture, history, and religion collide, and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. It's your guy, Emmanuel. I'm back in the building, whipping it up. And I have two very special guests with me. One guest, if you've been rocking with the podcast for quite some time, you are familiar with this brother. His name is William Johnson. He is a member of Team Rubicon. um, And even before he was Rubicon, he was my partner back on uh, episodes 51, 52, and 58. We did a series on toxic Masculinity. Um, but we welcome William back to the show. And William, really quickly tell the folks um, a little bit about within like 90 seconds to two minutes, a little bit about the work that you've been doing with Team Rubicon and what you guys are all about.
2: Uh, Team Rubicon is a uh, veteran based um, disaster response where we go into communities affected by natural disaster and um, bring, them back, bring them back to hope. We go in um, and just restore some sanity to the insanity that happened due to mother nature. So it's a um, passion of mine. Um, It's my mission trip, really. Mm -hmm. So love it to death.
0: No doubt, no doubt. And also, we have an incredibly special guest with us. Um, There's not one white person on God's green earth that can boast the amount of anti-racist ingenuity and counter-racist work that this person has put in. Um, For all we know, she could be the reincarnation of John Brown, verbally shooting down one racially prejudiced justification at a time. She is the creator of the Blue Eye, Brown Eye Experiment. She embodies moral honesty and intellectual integrity. And she might be one of the most constructive bullies I've ever witnessed in my life. I introduce to you, Miss Jane Elliott. Jane, say what's up to the people?
1: (laughs) Well, that's a lovely introduction. I can't agree with it, but I, I won't stop you. You have the right to say whatever you want, to, up to a point.
0: But look, no, no, no. Go ahead and go ahead and uh, correct where where I might may have erred or may have misspoke.
1: Well, I don't I don't experiment with people. What I do okay. is create a microcosm of society in a classroom or a boardroom or a lecture hall. And what I and that microcosm of society, if that's an experiment, then what we have been doing in this country for third. 300 years is an experiment and you ought to stop it because it's illegal and it's unethical to experiment with people without their knowledge or without their permission. So if we call what I do in my classroom an experiment, then what we are doing in the United States of America is an experiment. And I want to know when it's going to stop.
0: That's a great question. And unfortunately there has been a lot of unjust experimentation um, of black and brown bodies and, You know, the Tuskegee experiment, Tuskegee experiment, um, J. Marion, all the, yeah.
1: But we wanted, they were trying to learn something from those subjects when they did those experiments. I wasn't trying to learn something from my third graders. I was trying to teach them how to be empathetic. I was trying to encourage empathy. And I wasn't, I didn't intend to learn something from them. I did did learn a Mm -hmm. tremendous amount. But what I learned was more about myself than it was about them.
0: For sure. No doubt. Well, once again, um, obviously great work that you do. You've been doing this for over 50 years, but let's, let's get right into it. I know I got a lot of questions. Uh, William, please feel free to jump in at at any time. But as we all know, Jane, you know, we're living through a moment in time, a very hypersensitive racial and political climate that a lot of people have never experienced. You know, those, especially those that are 40 years old and younger, Um, there have been marches, many riots over the years, um, going back to at least like Mike Brown and Ferguson and the incident in Dallas after the shootings of Alton Sterling and Philando Castile. Um, however, like in the midst of this pandemic, the murder of Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, we're seeing nationwide riots, marches and demonstrations, um, some cities, Like I can say for Portland, for sure, like they've been organizing and marching almost every day since George Floyd uh, went viral. So, you know, back in 67, MLK was interviewed by NBC and he said something. He said many of the people who supported them in Selma and Birmingham were were really outraged at the extremist behavior toward negroes as he said but as we say today towards black people um they were not at that moment and they are not now committed to genuine equality for negroes he said it's, it's much easier to integrate a lunch counter than it is a guaranteed annual income to get rid of poverty um it's easier to integrate a bus than to make genuine equality in education a, a reality in our schools it's easier to integrate a public park than it is to get rid of slums. So here we are. That's what he said in 1967. We're here in 2020. We're still addressing housing inequalities, economic inequalities, um, disparities in healthcare, education, et cetera. So from your vantage point, Jane, um, when you take an inventory of everything that has happened in the past 50 years, um, Birmingham, Selma, LA riots in 92, Ferguson, now there's 2020, you know, post George Floyd. Do you perceive that what's happening now is different as far as what you've seen in the past, as far as, do you think there's going to be long lasting constructive change based upon the activities of people now versus back in the
1: day? I think that what we're forgetting is that racism is a very lucrative project. Mm -hmm. As long as you can keep a whole bunch of people down because you, Miseducated the whole population, then you can make money off those people by paying them less money, and not having to pay benefits because you work them less than forty hours a week, so they can't afford insurance, they can't afford good housing. You set you rent substandard housing to them, put them in that housing, and then near the downtown. And then when the middle class people want to come in and move closer to downtown, you kick those black people out, and you build new houses for middle class people. This is, a, this is an economic plan we've got going here, and in order to fix it, you're going to have to fix the system. And in order to fix the system, you're going to have to educate the educators. People actually in this country, many of us, believe that there, there are three or four different races and that one race is superior because we have created a Jesus who looks like somebody we can pray to. Hmm. We've got this whole thing wrapped up in this tight little ball, and we don't even realize that one of the reasons we're getting this ugly education, this ugly legislation is because the legislators believe the lie too. Nobody has sat them down and said, look, there's only one race. We're all members of it. And these people that you are denigrating, but are the people who look like the first modern human beings that evolved on this earth. It's time for you folks to get this into your heads that there's only one race. And if we trace your DNA, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Trump, <laughs> I hate to say it, because I don't want to consider him a member of the same race, but I'm afraid he is. If we traced his DNA back as far as we could go, we would find that a percentage of his DNA came from a country in Africa, just like everybody else's did, period. It's time to get over the idea of several different races. But it's a moneymaker, and it's hard to get rid of something that's a moneymaker. And racism makes a lot of money. If you can, if you can have somebody like Bill Clinton start the three-structure-out legislation, and then pick up young men, black men off the street for very, very minor kinds of problems and throw them in jail, then because of the prison industrial complex, you can put those guys to work eight hours a day. And if you only furnish their food, their clothing, their housing, and work them eight hours a day, that's called slavery. We have reinstituted slavery in the industrial military complex, make no mistake about industrial um Anyway, complex, it's it's time to put a stop to that too. And right now, for for several months now, our so-called leader has been suggesting that we privatize the prison industry. That's all we need to prove that we approve of racism and slavery is privatize the prison industry. It's a moneymaker. The prison industry is a moneymaker. Small towns like to see a prison come into their community because that means 300 people are gonna get employed It's a moneymaker. We have to realize that that's what it is. And we won't stop it until we re-educate the people who write the laws. And if you think I'm lying about that, or I don't know what I'm talking about, read this book. Have you read The Color of Law by Richard Rothstein? Read Mm. this book. It's one of the most important books you're going to read this year because it will tell you why we have so much segregation in cities. That segregation is not de facto segregation. It is something people do because they want to live with people like themselves. It is something that lawyers do because it's set by law because the people who write the laws don't know that there's only one race. And so they're writing laws that they think people will approve of, because after all, we all know the same thing. We all know that there's three or four races, and we know which races to work hardest. Mm. So Did I answer James- you your question? <laughs>
2: yes. So in saying that, how do, you, how do we make that next leap to rewrite the laws? Because obviously I feel that we're missing something. I mean, it's – go ahead. The, um, the voters, the people who vote these people in,
1: have to realize what's happening. Those of you who know what's happening and those of, those of us who know what's happening need to spend a whole lot of time saying, wait a minute. Here's what's going on. Do you not realize we have to prove to people that there's only one race? And there's all kinds of proof of that. If you, you, know, if you doubt that, then you have to look at it this way. You can't cross a cat and a dog and get a dad or a cog because there are two different species. We can cross people of different color groups and get beautiful, intelligent, courageous, curious, wonderful human beings because we're all members of the same species. We have to get the idea of several races out of people's heads. And the only way to do that is by educating the educators. That means we're going to have to send these people who are going to be dealing with our children this this fall, if we get to go to school, and even if we don't go to school, their parents are going to be dealing with them. We have to get them to read this book, The Racial Conditioning of Our Children, The Racial Conditioning of Our Children. And the subtitle is Ending Psychological Genocide in the Schools. Everybody has to read this book, particularly teachers. Nathan Rutstein wrote it. The man knew what he was talking about. What we are teaching in the schools today is racism, racism, and we teach it in a racist way. Any teacher who stands up in front of a classroom and says, "I don't see color," needs to have some kid say, "What color is your car?" And she'll know the color of her car. And then he needs to say, "Oh, you see color in cars and cupboards and floors and draperies, but you don't see color in skin." I think you have a problem. I think we have a problem when we say I don't see color. I don't. I see you as a darker colored person than I am. But look at my shirt. What color is my shirt? White. Mm-hmm. White. Well, what color is my skin?
2: Off white. Off white. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it isn't even off white. You know, it, and so do I. <laughs> it may be off, but it ain't off white. Right. I, I have. I have tan colored skin and I have and if you don't believe that, then you need to get this. The National Geographic magazine for April of 2018. Everybody needs to read it and get this out of it. Take it out, laminate it, and hang it on the wall. Every person on the face of the earth has skin of color. So you find your color on this color chart. This is a Pantone color wheel. If we had one of these hanging in the schools in this country. On the wall, instead of that ungodly map that doesn't tell the truth, if we put this up and say to the children, look, kids, every one of you have a skin color that will match one of the colors on this color wheel. I want you to go over and find your skin color. Now, I'm not going to call you by your number on this thing. You're not going to be a number to me, but we are, we are going to recognize that we all have different color skin, and but it's all shades of brown because we all came from the same modern human beings that evolved in sub-Saharan Africa from 300 to 500 300,000 to 500,000 years ago. Now, what we're talking about here is ignorance. Blatant ignorance. And after the age of 15, it's self-imposed ignorance. Mm. You can find out the truth by reading. And even if you're dyslexic, most of the books are on tape. You could get the books on tape and find out what it is you didn't learn in school. Because what you learned in school is not the truth. It's a fantasy for white folks and a tragedy for everybody else, particularly in view of the fact that there are no white folks.
0: You got to stop
1: telling a lie. What? Go on.
0: Yeah. I was, I just want to jump in. The, the notion of race is like a, it's a never ending conversation. Um, But, and I agree with most of what you say. It's, it's generally, it's generally agreed that we have a common ancestor that originated in Africa. Um, And, as and and i i've also you know watched other interviews that you had and you talk about how we're like 30th and 50th cousins and basically we're all related in some form or fashion and um which is true and so as scientific and as practical as it is um it's easier for someone of european ancestry to say that as a like, look, we're all family, so let's let's squash this this stupid stuff. Like everything that's going on is fake, is fabricated. Um, <clears throat> but it's harder for someone, uh, especially of African ancestry, <clears throat> or just anyone all over the world that has been, um, mi- has has been affected by and mistreated by racism and white supremacy. So, you know. It's now it's it's not necessarily about race, the issues between people. It's really I mean, we can we can take race out of it, but then there's still ethnicity and there's still how people have been treated because of their ethnicity and where they're from. And so what we've seen over the past five hundred years, we've seen Western Europeans go all over this planet on a mission of conquest. They have mercilessly subjugated, exploited, exterminated, you know, non white civilizations on every continent. They've operated like the Satan character in the Bible. So they go and steal, kill, and destroy everywhere that they've gone. And so um, one can intellectually say that they're not white, but you cannot deny being European, African, Asian, Pacific Islander, etc. That's your heritage. That's your ethnicity. That's where you're from. So after we shake hands and recognize that we have a common humanity, what steps do we take to propose that like for people of European ancestry, like they have to reconcile 500 years of subjugation, exploitation, colonization, and extermination of melanated people. Like after we intellectually recognize that we're all one, how do we produce justice for 500 years of
1: that? We can't change the past, but we can change what we do in the present. To construct a better future. And mm-hmm. believe me, we are going to have to. I know that people will listen to me because of the color of my skin, and because of my age, and because of my gender. I'm fully aware of that, and I take advantage of it at every opportunity. Every chance I get to tell white people they aren't white, that they came from the same place as everybody else did, it's time to get over it, that their intelligence is not, their skin color has nothing to do with their intelligence. but. The way we treat people because of our ignorance about skin color can affect how intelligently we behave. I've watched young black boys be lowered, be, have their self their self worth destroyed by the kinds of things that teachers do to them. Mm-hmm. We have to educate teachers so that they realize that they they are they are prisoners of the past, just like everybody else is. White people are prisoners of the past and they're prisoners of the lie. It's time for them to give it up. It's time for all of us to give it up. We all, all, every one of us is a human being and every one of us should have the right to be treated fairly. Now we can do that whether or not you've had a horrible a horrible background. We can treat people fairly in the schools. You take children into, into third, when I took children in third grade, every year I was given kids who would ne- were never gonna be able to learn anything. Because the other teachers hadn't been able to teach them anything. I considered them able to learn because I know how to teach and they learned in my classroom. What we need to do is educate educators so that they have are, can do away with the myth of race and the myth of the superiority of those who have less melanin in their skin. Now we can argue the past until hell freezes over. It won't make, it won't change the past. What we do in the present can create a better future. And what we're going to have to do is learn to communicate with one another in an honest, forthright manner. And I don't I don't uh, pull any punches. Quite frankly, I know that black women, every black woman in the United States or in the world knows more than I do about racism, because they've lived with it. I'll not forget in a long time, for, for, probably ever, the black woman who stood beside me when we were talking about differences. And the audience was composed of the department heads in a major university and administrators, 250 of them. And I asked them if they saw any differences because the first first person who spoke was a white woman and she said, why do we have to talk about differences? Similarities are more important than differences. I think we're all more similar than we are different. Okay, I'll show you. So I had a tall white male stand on my left and a taller black female stand on my right. And I said to that audience, and I hoped that they would pass this test. I said to that audience, what's the first difference you see here? And what do you suppose they said? What would you expect them to say? Well, they said height. I said, all right, we'll deal with height. So we dealt with height and I asked the man in long blah, blah. And the black woman said, there are some other issues to deal with. I said, yes, I know. This man has power because of his height. What other issue, what other difference you see? So they said gender. So the man has power because of his gender. The black woman said, but there are some other differences to deal. With. I said, we're gonna get to him. I asked them again, they said age. We dealt with the fact that the man was At his age was okay, but he'd never get to be my age. Asked the black woman. Is your age, does your age give you power? No. But she said, there are some other issues to deal with. I said, I know it. These folks have passed, have flunked the test three times. Let's see if they can get it right. And finally, somebody in the audience of the educated folks folks said, color. I said, are you talking about hair color or skin color? She said, skin color. (laughs) I said to this tall white male, is your skin color important to you? He said, I never have to think about it. Now think about that. He never has to think about it. He has several degrees. He has several advanced degrees, but he never has to think about the color of skin. I was just appalled that he would say it out loud. And I said, does your skin color give you power? Yes. I said, is there anything that you fear? I'm not afraid of anything. So I said to this black woman, Is your skin color important to you? And she paused a long minute. And by now, there was one tear slowly slowly sliding down the left side of that beautiful woman's face. And she said, I'm going to say something now I've never said out loud before. And I said, and that's because? She said, because I'm ashamed of it. I said, and that would be? She said, I have two children. Both of them are girls. I prayed when I was pregnant both times that I wouldn't have a son. And I said, and that's because? She said, because I didn't want to think of what would happen to him, and I didn't want to think what I would have to do when I lost him. Now, if that doesn't do it for every one of those so-called educated people in that group, I don't know what will. There stood this brilliant black woman who had as many degrees as the rest of them, but she had to pray not to have a son because of the ignorance of racism. And these are all educated people sitting there. That's what I mean. We do not educate people in the schools in this country. We indoctrinate them with the myth of race. And you have to act a certain way in order to be accepted in the, in the educational realm. So when you, you can talk about 500 years, 1,000 years, 4,000 years, all you want to, what we have to deal with is what we have created in the last 300 years in this country. And what we have created is a racist society in which ignorance is king. And if you think I'm wrong about that, then you look at who we selected, not elected, but selected for our president three and a half years ago. Ignorance is king, that's why he's there. And that's why we're in big trouble today. Every, every colored person, every person of every color, every gender, every religion, every, Culture in the United States today is in danger, and people of color, are, darker colored skin, are in more danger than anybody, because this well, man-
0: Well, Jane, you, you, you're preaching to the choir. We know that. Too
1: big, too big black, are you too the big only black ones men are know that. <laughs> uh, are, you, are you the only ones who are listening? Because if I'm just talking to you two, that's a waste of my time and your time.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you really think that every young black male realizes how fantastic he is? Do you no, really not think at that all. every young black five year old male knows that when he goes out that door, he has the right to be treated fairly and he has the right to demand fair treatment? Do you really think they know that? Somebody needs to tell them that. And their mothers tell them, but then they get to school and the teachers tell them something entirely different, not only in words, but in actions and behaviors and treatment. And that's what I mean. I know you know all this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't need to talk to me. I'm fully aware of that. But I don't think that the 5, 7, 14-year-old male knows all this. Mm-hmm. And I know that young black males who are really, really bright are encouraged to dumb it down in order not to act white. You've heard kids say that to one another, and so have I. Right. We deliberately lower our expectations for males of color. and we do it, And, and we do it because we're ignorant
2: hmm so if you know if we, that go ahead go on no I was going to say so it starts with education but then there's another system that we have to fight outside of you know the government now we have to fight education uh the educational system I am a uh, high school teacher and I go in class and I hear and I say that's not right but they say well this is the curriculum so where do you go from there? Because I do believe that it's all based around ignorance. And I used to think it was innocent ignorance, but it's latent ignorance that I see. That's right. In a, in a sense. Right. And it
1: works. It right. works. You have to understand that it works. And if you were, if you were a, an old white woman like me, you'd go into a classroom, you'd close the door, you'd open your textbook to the page you're supposed to be on that week, and then you'd teach what you chose to. And the principal would come in and he'd look at the page you're on in your textbook and he'd nod and, and put his other hand in his pocket and leave the room like, yes, she's doing it right. And then I'd go right and the kids would grin and I'd grin and we'd go right back to learning something that wasn't in the textbook, but something that we could apply when we walked out the door. I think that good educators don't follow the standard curriculum. They don't do it. They take the bare bones of that and then they build on that to teach kids something that is valuable and something that will be worthwhile for them in the future outside the classroom. Because there's a whole life outside the classroom that you're getting these kids ready for. And you don't get them ready for it by teaching that Columbus discovered America or that all the fabulous things that were ever invented on this earth were invented by white males. Right. So I I didn't follow the standard elementary curriculum. So my kids knew a whole lot more when they got to fourth grade than their teachers did. And it drove their teachers crazy because those kids knew things that they weren't supposed to know. You're supposed to, wait until we get to that. I had teachers say to me when I was in college, wait until we get to that place in the textbook and then I'll answer your question. No, when a kid asked a question in my room, I'd answered it then, we dealt with it right then because that was what he was interested in. And then we went back to what we were supposed to be doing that day. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are teachers and there are educators. Teachers dispense right. facts and figures to get kids ready for the end of your testing. Educators lead people out of ignorance.
0: Well, Jane, you know, I believe that education is definitely foundational, um, but it, and it's, it is one of many components to be able to eradicate racism. But I think a lot of times um, people perceive racism to be mistreatment, you know, but, but for what, I've, what I've discovered over the years is that racism isn't, isn't merely just mistreatment based upon the color of your skin. Racism is a, a symptom. It is a side effect of what what it what we're really facing. Racism really is white supremacy. Like there is no mistreatment of color if there was no supremacy, no hierarchy of colors. And so white supremacy isn't just ignorance. It isn't just mistreatment based upon skin color. It's also um it's also the the entertainment system, which is dominated by people pale face ignorance, it's also the economic system, which is dominated by pale face ignorance. It's also in uh, labor, politics, religion, sex, war. It's all these systems, and so one can be one can be educated properly, but also they go to church and they're gonna be miseducated. They go to school or they they go to work, they're gonna be miseducated. And so, or they're just gonna be socialized in a way that is going to basically undo or go against everything that teacher Jane just taught them. So how do we take it a step further from just focusing on the mistreatment, but also dismantling the systems that uphold the beliefs?
1: I think that's what these marchers are trying to do. I think these young people are going to do what the rest of us haven't been able to do. I think someone, somewhere, somehow has gotten to them and said, look, you're all in the same boat together. And this boat is going to sink unless we plug these holes. And the holes we're going to need to plug are economics and labor and government. And all those holes have to be fixed. But you will not fix them until you get these people educated to the fact that there's only one race, and this idea of white superiority is a flat-out lie. We've got to educate people, and I, you don't like the word education, then you've got to pound it into people that there's only one race, and we're all members of it. And that person that you are going to abuse because you are ignorant about skin color, you're not going to abuse that person because that person is one of my members, one member of my race, which is a human race. And I will not tolerate that. Now, that may sound old fashioned and that may sound simplistic, but you will not cure these other problems because they are all based on race until you cure the problem of racism. You won't do it no matter what you do. And if you read the color of law, you will realize why you won't do it until you get people educated to the fact that there's only one race and you cannot discriminate against people because of your ignorance about skin color. It's not about skin color. It's about ignorance. And ignorance means not knowing. So most people just do not know. I'll never forget my dad when he saw the first film that was made in my classroom. He was 59 years old. And after it was, he was a farmer, had been a farmer for years. He had raised six kids, lost one. So he had, he had seven kids, lost one, raised six. After it was over, this 59-year-old man in his bib overalls, farmer, stood up, took his red handkerchief out of his back pocket, wiped his nose, blew his nose, wiped his eyes, and said, I wish somebody had taught me that when I was nine years old. Now, after that, you could not have my father around if you were going to tell a racist joke. He would look at you and say, uh, are you gonna finish that? You sure you wanna start tell that? Because if you do, I'm going in the other room. And he'd go in the other room when the boys started telling a racist joke. He wouldn't explode, he'd simply walk away. We need to simply walk away from those who are determined to perpetuate the myth of white superiority. We do not elect a person to say, well, there's good people on both sides in that Charlottesville mess. No, right. they weren't good people on both sides. There were good people on one side and the bad people on the other side. And they were bad because they have been miseducated and they thought that they were superior because of the lack of melanin in their skin. Can you
2: think of something more ignorant than that? Right. So, Jane, when you were doing your exercise in your school and you continued to do it, what was the pressure from your colleagues? What were they saying to you? <laughs> oh they they didn't say see see that that's
1: funny because um i have been socially uh distanced for 52 years okay they didn't say anything to me they said things about me they said things to the school board about me they tried to get me fired because if i was right they were wrong i was right they were wrong they were absolutely absolutely opposed to everything i did particularly After I did that exercise, I found out how it feels to be, you know, I I found out how it feels to be discriminated against in some really ugly ways. They beat, they allowed people to beat my children. My children were beaten. Their belongings were destroyed. They were physically and, and emotionally abused by their peers, by their teachers, and by some of the parents of their peers. My parents lost their business because of that exercise. Did I stop the exercise? No, I kept right on doing the exercise because I wasn't there to be, to have people love me. I wasn't there to have people accept me. I was there to educate those students. And I educated them in such a way that no teacher after <laughs> the kids that came out of my, my classroom made every teacher uncomfortable. Because even at the junior high level and the high school level, you couldn't say the N-word with one of my, my former students in the class. Because the kid would stand up and say, we don't say that word in this school. And you're going to keep on saying it. I'm going to go out in the hall until you get done my former students wouldn't tolerate it. And they wouldn't to this day. To this day, they say that it still makes a difference in the way they see people and the way they treat people. I maintain that we could educate ourselves out of racism if we decided to. I know we could. If I can do it, anybody could do it. But you have to believe that there's only one race and that every one of these kids is a member of the human race and by the gods of war, you had better not abuse them while I'm in the room.
2: Right. So well, is it,
0: I'll go ahead is, ahead:
2: is it one of the things that where you took your life and you had this pivotal turn and you said it meant something to you, it saw, you saw yourself in that exercise. So you were willing to sacrifice to get your point across, and we have now what they call allies, but our allies. I look at, aren't willing to do what you did, where your kids suffered, where your family suffered. Um, Because when it gets too hard, they back out. So how do we, do we just let them go or how do we encourage them to stay in the fight?
1: Well, first you have to decide whether they're going to, whether they're really going to finish the fight. You see, for many of us, us pale faced women, we'll jump on a project and stay there for a year, maybe for two years. But if it isn't ended at the end of two years, we'll jump on something else. We'll jump in and out of causes. No, black people, brown people, Native Americans, can't jump in and out of what they are. They are there and that's where they're going to be and they have a right to have this country treat them according to our principles. We have, they have that right, you have that right, I have that right, but as I get older, I realize that I have fewer and fewer rights in that area. I know that very well. And so I have to be really mouthy to make some people know that I'm here. Don't mess with me. Do not do that. And don't mess with people, other human beings, for some silly idea like white supremacy. It's a lie. We have to teach people that it's a lie. And if we would start, for instance, if I were going to go into the classroom, into a first-grade classroom or second- or third-grade classroom this year, I would have every kid have a box of Crayola crayons, and I had every one of them. Take out, we're gonna learn the colors for sure. Take out the white crayon. Now, boys and girls, put it against the back of your hand. Now, how many of you are white? And immediately, when you tell that kid that this is the white crayon, and he puts it at the back of his hand, he knows that you can't be trusted, because you just lied to him. This, isn't, this is white. This isn't white. So immediately, when you teach that, you are creating cognitive dissonance in kids. Here's what I say, but here's what is true. And you have to tell the truth and we have to start telling the truth if we would just tell the truth in that one area think of the difference we could make in how a child feels about himself herself or the children the rest of the children in the room look kids every one of you has a different colored skin and every one of you is on the on the pantone color chart so let's just realize that. Human beings come in different colors. You're all equally human, and you're all equally valuable to me, and you're all equally able to learn, and I'm equally able to teach you because I've taken special courses to treat, teach kids who are dyslexic. And I know educators will say there's no such thing. Well, I'm sorry, but there is. And if you know how to teach those kids, and a whole, three out of four are dyslexics are males, if you knew how to teach every dyslexic child, you would have a few, a lot fewer people in the prison system. If educators would do their job, we could make more money for the civilization and less for the prison industry. If, <laughs> if you read Michelle Alexander's The New Jim Crow, I'm sure you've read it, and it's absolutely brilliant, and we ought to force educators to read it and, and consume it and ingest it and take it, into their, take it into their mental set, but that's not what we do. We teach the same old thing every year the same old way. And we need to stop teaching the same old thing in the same old way because it was the same old lies. But if you're a pale-faced person, why would you teach against racism? You wouldn't. You'd be teaching against yourself. Yeah. Wouldn't make any sense. Well, the difference between those of us who teach against racism and those who refuse to teach against racism is – We're realistic. We are realist. We know that the reality is that you and I are blood kin, whether you like it or not. That's the way it is. Without Mm -hmm. people of your color, there would be no people of my color anywhere on the face of the earth. And we have to start teaching that. We have to stop talking about Columbus and start handing out, asking high school and junior and senior high school kids to read the book, Nile Valley Contributions to Civilization. Have you read it?
2: No, I'm right now. right now. Right Oh my God. It, it,
1: 4,000 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, people, black people in Egypt, and we've moved Egypt into the Middle East because mm-hmm. we don't want to admit that all those fabulous things that the Egyptians gave us came from black people. You need to realize that we've been lied to in every way you could possibly lie. This, have, get a picture, and I'm sure you've seen this before. Get a picture in your mind of the map of the world that's hanging on practically every classroom wall in the United States. Get right. that in your mind. You see Greenland hanging down there in the middle of that map, like a great big white plum. Yes. Well, then read the legend at the bottom of the map. And at the bottom of the map, there's this little legend nobody ever reads. And on it, it says, South America is actually nine times larger than Greenland.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Did anybody ever read that legend to you? No here's here is the Peters projection map find Greenland on this map see Greenland up here this teeny tiny little thing that's the actual size of Greenland and look at the size of South America it is nine times larger than Greenland now does this make a difference to you
2: yes sure
1: well do you think this would make a difference in the schools if we put this map in the schools instead of the Mercator map in the schools You see, when people say to me, well, it isn't all about education. Yes, it is. If you put this image, if you put the image that you have of the Mercator map in your mind, when you're in first, second, third, up to senior um, high school, college, and, and graduate school, you see the same old thing every time, and it's a lie. If you publish the lie long enough, it becomes the truth, because then teachers teach it as if it's true. Nobody ever reads the legend at the bottom of that map. And if you look carefully at the Mercator map, the equator is two-thirds of the way down the map. So that all the all the white, so-called white countries are a lot bigger than the so-called countries of people of color. Mm. Does that make a difference? I think mm-hmm. that makes a difference. When you, you need to look up, well, just right now, Google, one of you, Google the Peter's projection map. And then compare, and there'll be a picture there to compare those two maps, the Peter's map and the Mercator map. I'm not just talking about skin color here. I'm talking about lying to children and adults. And you go into a travel agency, or you used to, and there's a map, a wall-sized map on the wall. And on that map, Greenland is larger than South America. And in fact, South America is nine times larger than Greenland. And on that map, the equator is two-thirds of the way down the map. So you can't teach northern and southern hemisphere because hemi is a prefix that means half. And that's oh, what James. the equaler supposedly
0: does. Go on. And I, I hate to cut you off, but you know, a lot of a lot of the things that that we're talking about right now, to, and I'm thinking about my audience and, and and some of the questions that they've asked me to ask you, um, and and a lot of the questions are very similar, and and obviously there's only so much that we can only so only so much ground we can cover in an hour, but with black people, you know, <clears throat> we don't need to be um. well we we all need to be reeducated but we're at a point where we don't have the time we don't have the luxury of time to be patient for pale faced people to wake up and do the right thing you see what I'm saying because all over, all over the world all, all over the world we have seen what they are capable of whether they're properly educated or not um, they're not going to give up their convenience or comfort of having a privileged position. A lot of people are going to, they may have individual revelations, but they don't want to be ostracized from their group. So isn't, isn't that the reality of all this? You can educate somebody all they want, but if somebody isn't willing to do what you do to you, like you were willing to be ostracized from your group, everybody's not built like that, Jane. And so why, why do you think that Black people should have the patience to wait? Or do you think that we should have the patience, in your estimation, because, you know, you see us as all family, do you think that we should have the patience to wait for pale-faced pale ignorance no, to somehow absolutely, have some revelation.:
1: Absolutely, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. I don't think you should have the patience to wait. And I think that those young people out in the streets all over the world right now are proving that you'd best not have the patience to wait that those young people haven't had to wait much, maybe, maybe 18, 24, 30 years. Mm-hmm. But I know black people, and so do you, who have waited for 95 years and still don't have it. So right. no, those, those kids aren't going to wait. They're going to say, we're going to make the difference, and we're going to make it now. And I'll tell you why they're going to, because white folks are scared. They're scared to death right now because they know that in this country, within 30 years, white people will be a numerical minority in the mm-hmm. United States of America. That's it. That's the truth. And that's the reason pale faces are getting really scared. We can scare them into making a change because when I, every time I do a speech anywhere, some pale-faced woman says, if they get power, aren't they going to want to treat us the way we've treated them? And that's the major fear that's going on right now. And what we have to do is convince young males and females of color that they can handle this situation. They can do it better than it has been done. And the way they're going to do that is prove to people who pale faces that we don't want to get even with all of you. I asked that when Angela Davis and I were on the same panel, and, I, and some woman asked that. I said, well, let's find out if they all want to get even with all of us. Well, every person in this room who considers himself or herself a member of the black race and wants to get even with all white folks, if you want to get even with all black folks, please stand. Three young black males stood up, and the rest of them turned and looked at him like, are you crazy? And this woman, this white woman, looks so much more comfortable. I said, now see, they don't want to get even with all of us. But let's be honest about this, shall we? Well, every black person in this room who wants to get even with one or two white people, please stand. They all leap to their feet, shouting and laughing and high-fiving one another and tickle to death. And I said, here's the problem. Here's the answer to the problem. If you want to be treated fairly in the future, treat people fairly in the present. Behave in such a way that you aren't one of the one or two they want to get even with. Now, I think that black children don't realize that what we call white people are only 25% of the population of the earth. 25% of the population of the earth is composed of pale faces. The other 75% is composed of people who are more colorful and more intelligent and more so-called Christian, more moral and more capable and more creative. And they aren't allowed to show any of those because we compare them to people and force them to live down to our lowest estimate of them. The, the, a drunken man, white man lying in the gutter can say, well, at least I'm white. Because being white seems to be all right. It isn't. We all know it isn't. We all know that we have lied, and we've cheated, and we've stolen, and we are right now, as always, attempting to build an empire. I realize that's what we do. But the difference is now we have instant communication. Now we can see people like you too and people like, oh, my God, Barack Obama, and people like mayors, many mayors in the United States and a number of governors who are people of color. And they're doing the job and they're doing it well, which proves that the things we have been telling people all these years were a lie. We have proof all over the United States and all over the world, but certainly all over the United States, that we have lied and been lied to. We can, we can recognize the lie and refuse to cooperate with the lie. When a black kid goes out of, out of the house, and for the most part, they go out of the house feeling good about themselves because they got good parents. They get to school, and they get their self-image chopped to pieces in a hurry. It's time to stop the chopping. And you stop the chopping by educating the teachers to realize that if this kid feels abused because of your ignorance about skin color, you need to change your behavior's and change it within the next six weeks. Because if it hasn't changed within the next six weeks, you'll be looking for another job. Administrators, I took courses in how to be an administrator when I thought I wanted to do that. And we, you know, the professor said, what would you do? I said, here's what i do. i tell that teacher, you've got six weeks to change your behavior. If I don't see growth in the next six weeks, I'm going to see to it that you find, find employment elsewhere. And he's the, the, the boys in the class were just, well, I'm listening to that witch, and I didn't say witch. And the professor said, and that's exactly the thing to do. That's exactly what you need to do. You need to stop teachers when they're doing it and say, if you don't show improvement within the next six weeks, I will look for someone to to re- to have to take your job. We don't insist that teachers do the right thing. They are members of the union. And because they're members of the union, the union protects its weakest link. That's going on in unions all over the United States. We need to say, all right, you're a member of a union. but.'" We're going to get with the people who are the head of the union and say these are the things we expect of our teachers whether or not they do these things is what their jobs will depend on we have to have principals and superintendents with backbones and we have to have teachers who are willing to be sponges and soak up information and soak up learning and so that they can give back to the children instead of the garbage that they we've been teaching up to this point
2: it's one of those things where um I get the education, but what I'm also noticing now, people are waking up like half the world didn't know what Juneteenth was. Um, (laughs) Oh, but uh, but after our president told him, then we all knew. Yes, he said, he made it famous. Oh my God. Um, You know, like Black Wall Street, these things are part of history that are being left out. So when, you know, you talk to a fellow um, black guy and say, tell me about this, they're just as shocked as the whites are of, what are you talking about? And then you see that, so we talked about Juneteenth, now we're gonna make it a holiday. So I always feel that they're always throwing scraps. We'll give you this holiday, but we're not gonna change. And to me, I think it's time for us to say, we're gonna take this scrap and we want more. Like when they're trying to defund the police, They're throwing little bits. We'll give you the anti-lynching, but we won't give you, um, what is it, the indemnity. So how do we fight against that, besides just saying no? I worked with a
1: group in Australia, and three of the members of the group were members of the police department. Two males and one female, who was, I think, a little older than I was. And after the exercise was done, the woman was crying, and the two young men were just shocked and shamed and embarrassed and said, "We didn't know, we didn't we ne- I never knew." And I talked to a man from Australia yesterday who has sent me a list of things that happened at the hands of the police, but police departments in Australia. These are things that we don't they didn't know they didn't know how it felt to be in that position. No pale-faced person has any idea how it feels to be judged negatively on the basis of a physical characteristic over which you have no control for a whole, for a a lifetime. When I put people through that exercise, they know I'm the only one who's doing it, and it's only in that one setting, and they know it's going to end when I go home, or when they stomp out of the room, which some of them do, because they can't take it. Pale faces can't take for an hour being treated unfairly on the basis of a physical characteristic over which they have no control. So they leave. And then we talk about the fact that they have the freedom to leave. What we have going in this country needs to end, and it needs to end now. But it will not end until we have people in the police department who have to go through the kind of treatment that blacks go through at their hands all day, every day. And they won't know that until we have teachers who force them for a day to go through what black boys and girls go through every day. And somebody will say, and they always do, oh, God help me. Some liberal white female, invariably, will say, how dare you put those little children through that horrible exercise for a day? You have traumatized those children. And when I say to them, how dare you put children of color through that exercise for a lifetime? Doesn't that traumatize them? And every time that female says that's different, they're used to it, they can take it. I've had people say that to me in working for U.S. West, U.S. West Direct, Public Service of Colorado, all kinds of corporations, all kinds of places. We have people saying, that's different. You're used to it. You can take it. I can't take it. I'm not used to it. That's what they say. And it doesn't occur to them. For instance, when people in Riceville found out that I was doing that exercise with my third graders, up at the the coffee stop, these grown men said, Why is she doing that in Riceville? We don't have any racism in Riceville. We don't have any N-words. And he didn't see that, and neither did anybody else see that as a racist remark. You can't say we don't have any racism and then say we don't have any of those people. It's like saying we don't have any sexism because we don't have any women. Get, Get real. You see, it's the common vocabulary. We are using 15th and 16th century vocabulary and philosophy to deal with 21st century problems. Mm-hmm. And I think that anybody who's going to insist on maintaining their, their idea of white supremacy then has to go back and dress the way they did in the 15th century, travel the way they did in the 15th century, get their information the way they did in the 15th century, eat the way they did in the 15th century, and have that kind of medical system
2: i think jane, if we're
1: going you, to live in that business then that's what we need to do and you know and i know that the reason we have made progress on the face of the earth is because of the brilliance of a whole lot of people of color
2: right
0: jane, jane wouldn't, don't you think that <clears throat> what's what's going on and what has <clears throat> what has been going on is not necessarily ignorance because nobody told me any better because you just you just explained and also i've seen in And the exercises that you do, people just flat out deny um, their their position, or that they've been, or that someone else's discrimination is worse than theirs. Um, But doesn't doesn't this all come down to uh, survival? You know, doesn't this really come down to the fear of genetic annihilation? If I allow myself, um, if I allow everyone that that is that is melanated, an equal playing field, a level playing field. And I won't be able to compete with them. I won't be able to stay stay in control and stay in my privileged, nice position because no group wants to give up their privilege. And so isn't this about, you no. know what? If if I keep them here, then I can survive because I know that my numbers are down all over the globe. I know that we're not um um procreating and reproducing. I know that the sperm count is low in males of, of European descent all, all over the globe and it's been it's been decreasing. Um, just like Brexit. I know if I continue to let immigrants come in, then melanated people are going to outnumber non-melanated people. They outproduce us. So this is, isn't this more or less about genetic annihilation? Not just, not just because I'm-
1: do you even think that the average person walking down the street even knows genetic m- annihilation?
0: No, it's, but it's, it's subconscious. Our, wait, it's, it's subconscious.
1: Wait, a minute. we can talk about subconscious bias and conscious bias until hell freezes over. But that won't solve the problem. And we can use words of four and five and six syllables and that solves the problem. You're going to have to talk in the language that the average human being in the United States understands. And here it is. You either change your behaviors today or you're going to suffer greatly tomorrow. Now, if you want your children to survive in the future, you better change your ideas about miscegenation because the hole in the ozone layer is getting larger and larger. And as the hole in the ozone layer gets larger and larger, more and more sunlight enters our environment and more and more pale faces are going to suffer from melanoma, which is a skin cancer which can spread throughout your body, which happens because you don't have any protection from the dangerous rays of the sun. Now you can tell that to people in one and two and four syllables, and they can understand that, and then they can say, "Oh my God, maybe I better be nicer to these people who are going to be running this show in the future." If people your age, who are pale faces, want to survive to be my age, they better change their behaviors now, because by the time you're my age, you will be in a majority group instead of the minority color-wise in this country. That's a fact. We have to stop. In the first place, we don't teach real history. We teach a lie that we made up to make white folks feel good. We don't teach history. But being, teach being the majority somebody, doesn't, somebody. doesn't right. mean
0: that you have power. Being the majority has but, nothing to do with a, a power structure, a power dynamic. The pale the, the, the faces in South Africa have never been the majority, but they have all the power.
1: But it can have something to do with it if you have intelligent, if you have civilized and and educated human beings, if you have people who know the truth instead of the lie, if you stop allowing your your morals to be dictated by the picture of a white man hanging on a cross, that might be a step in the right direction if we would teach people that in the Bible it says that Jesus had woolly hair and feet of bronze. We might think about that occasionally. This, this miseducation starts pre-birth and it continues until after you're dead. We need to make pale-faced people aware of the damage that is being done to them by their own ignorance. And I I really love to say that we can solve this problem by talking about the past, or that we can solve this problem by making payments to Black people. But if you're going to do it that way, then first you have to pay off the Native Americans, whose land we took, and whose homes we took, and whose people we killed, in the millions.
0: No, they, they got start paid. With they got paid. We'll have paid to, and they have land. Oh, to really? Land. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> they, really? They have land. They have you reservations, and they also have oh, economic Oh, yeah.
1: And oh, would they you have like have to talk to access. me about reservations and what a wonderful payment that is? Would you like to be on a reservation? Hey, Do you? Would you be willing? To, and would all the black people in this country be willing to take a reservation?
0: That's what that's what the nation of Islam was asking for.
1: Well, was that a smart thing to do? I don't think it was. I don't, I don't it, think it, it depends I think
0: it, on it depends on, on who's who's driving that that on, car. Who's a captain? Go, on the that
1: Navajo, go to a Navajo reservation and see if you think you'd like to live
0: that way. No, I've I, I've been to a reservation. I've been to a reservation. Uh-huh. in, uh, in <laughs> Did Montana. you think it was a
1: really comfortable place to be? Say it again. Do you think it was a really comfortable place to be?
0: The way that they were living, no, nah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't live like that.
1: Oh, well, but but um, okay, I'm but but but, go but, but the whole Sorry, but the whole
0: planet is a but the whole planet is a prison for black people. So like it it can't get any worse for black people. So you you can't. I, I'm not gonna look at somebody else and say, oh shoot, like I don't want my own land. I don't want a shot at that. I would never say that. A black person is not gonna did, say either. I don't. I don't want to have a chance. To, to create my own civilization and my own society. Everybody wants that chance and everybody deserves that chance. And black people deserve reparations in the form of land in the form of cash payments and in the form of some type of tax consideration. So yeah, it may not have worked out for the natives, but this is 2020. And this is a totally different oh. people and everybody is not the same. Everybody's leaders are not the same. And so I'm not going to judge when I'm going to, I'm not going to project onto Black people in America. Well, if this is what happened to the natives. You don't want that, and I and I'm not and I'm damn not, damn sure not going to say. Well, we need to pay the natives. Natives already got paid. They already made their deals. They already signed treaties. They've already done what they did. And if they squandered their opportunity, that's on that group. Now it's time for this group to get its opportunity and to get its reparations.
1: But you are saying exactly what I have heard white politicians say we got ours now you got your. you get yours we get we worked hard to get what we have we suffered to come over here we were willing to kill people in order to uh, to have this land we got ours the hard way you get yours the hard way you're yep. saying exactly the same thing you're saying the same thing that pale faces have said to native americans and they're saying it to you and now you're going to say it this is not the solution to the problem until we start saying to ourselves look Every one of us deserves to be treated fairly. We're going to treat one another fairly starting today. We can't fix yesterday, but we can arrange for tomorrow to be better for all of us. Every single one of us. And you cannot have have a civil society as long as you are behaving in uncivilized ways. And that's what white people are be doing right now. People of color are trying to teach them how to behave. And we refuse to listen because we think they are sub- inferior to us. We're well, after, wrong.
0: After, after, um, after like, once again, I'll go back to this question. After 500 plus years of stealing, killing, and destroying, subjugating, exploiting, and exterminating people, what do white people deserve?
1: Well, if they got what they deserve, they wouldn't still be alive. But we don't get what we deserve. We get what we ask for. And what we got is a, a, is a country that is split down the middle because of the ignorance of people who would vote, either refuse to vote at all because they didn't like who was running, or who would vote to select this fool. And right now, we are living with the consequences of our behavior. If you sow the wind, you will reap the whirlwind, and that is exactly what is happening to people in this country today. We are in deep doggy doo-doo because of the way we have behaved in the past, and because we put in place somebody who doesn't know enough to we won't talk about that, but the man is um, danger and we have we have selected a man who is dangerous and we have members of the Senate who will go along because he can decide whether they get money for their campaigns. They know what they're doing and they know what he's doing. And this is terrifying to me that we don't have enough people who are willing to stand up and say, no, we're not going to let this happen. November 4th, November 3rd, we could change this. We could prove that we know what's going on and we will not tolerate this anymore. Led said you must not tolerate the intolerable. If it's intolerable for my cousins of color, it's intolerable for me. I won't tolerate it. I don't have to tolerate it. And you can argue with me until hell freezes over. I still won't tolerate what we're doing in this country. And I still, and I, and <laughs> I will not sit idly by while people say it's all unconscious bias. Unconscious bias or conscious bias, we need to be taught the truth instead of the lie. And we need to be forced. We need to, instead of teaching the three R's of reading, writing, and arithmetic, and only one of those begins with R, we need to teach rights, respect, and responsibility. If we taught rights, respect, and responsibility, we wouldn't have to worry about color. We wouldn't have to worry about racism. You deny somebody their rights when you treat them unfairly because of your ignorance about skin color. You have, not, you have not given them their rights, and you haven't respected their rights, and you haven't shown them any respect. Every human being on the face of the earth deserves some respect, and even that one in the White House deserves some respect, and we are responsible for the way we behave. What happened in the past, I can't fix, but I am responsible for fixing what I can in the present, and I'm not going to deny that it's happening, and I'm not going to say Well, we made a lot of money off these people in the past. I am saying we need to stop making money off these people in the present and see to it that we divide the spoils of war war up among all of us. And the United States of America is the spoils of war. And I'm tired of hearing this country called America because America is everything from the northernmost point of Canada to the southernmost point of South America. And you can't build a wall on the southern border of the United States to keep all the Americans, only Americans, in because you'd have to. You, there's a lot of Americans south of the border of, of the United States. We have shallow thinking because we are encouraged not to think too much. Adolf Hitler said, lucky the ruler whose subjects do not think. And that's what's going on in this country today. And Mao Zedong told us it was going to happen. He said, you put your kids in front of a television and you're going to have children who don't think. And that's exactly what we've got going on in this country today. These kids are screen afflicted. They are, they are, they're screen addicted. They are addicted to something on a screen. They are not addicted to reading. They are addicted to something on a screen and so are many of their parents. So you want to change the situation? Number one, get kids off the screen and get them into books. Number two, teach their parents the truth about race. Number three, re-educate the educators. You can solve a whole lot of problems by doing that, but be careful. Because once you get people out there who realize this is all a lie, they're going to upset this apple cart. And that's exactly what's happening all over the world right now. People are determined to upset this apple cart because it hasn't been good to a whole lot of people. So,
2: Jane, would you? I know your answer, but. (laughs) Then why ask it? (laughs) Because I got to hear it from you. You would do this all again, wouldn't you? You would what? do you would do this all again. Like if God gave you a mulligan to say do your life over again, you would do it you would do this fight again, wouldn't you? Absolutely I would. Absolutely. I'd marry the
1: same man. I'd go I'd put those kids through that exercise. The only thing I'd do different is I would make sure I got my children out of that school before I did the exercise. Or I'd warn my children about what might happen to them. And I would say to them, look, we've got a bunch of ignorant people here and they're gonna come down on you like ducks on a June bug because of what I'm about to do. My husband warned me, he said, you're gonna lose your job. I said, well, if I lose my job because I teach the truth, I don't wanna teach in Riceville. I did, I, the, the school board threatened and the superintendents, I had three different superintendents, three different principals. I would do the same thing again. I would do it more and I would do it every year and I would insist that the teachers go through the exercise. If I could put every educator through the exercise, I could change the face of humankind because I could change the way they treat people. Right. And most people of color have been through the damned exercise. Yes. You know it, and so do I. But right. we pale faces haven't been through the exercise, and I've had men wear contact lenses Yet contact lenses, blue-eyed males come into that exercise wearing brown contact lenses because they didn't want to go through the exercise as blue-eyed people. And I, God is, as God is my judge, we've had that happen. And Linda Geller <laughs> has stood there beside me and said, "That guy's a brown eye. Not today. He's a he's a he's a blue eye. Not today. He's got he's wearing contact lenses." We've had that happen because white folks know what's going on and they don't want to have it for their own. They it's all right for it to happen to somebody else because they don't see people as other than the other. They don't see people as one of ours. They see them as the other. We have to teach people that they are not the other. They are part of this race. We are all part of the same race. And when we get that into their heads, you're going to see a huge difference in the way we treat one another.
0: Jane, how how close do you see the world going to your ideal? Like When you started this in, in 1968 on the You know, right after uh, MLK was was assassinated and you like, I I want the world to look like this. If this the top of your mountain was on a scale of one to 100, if that's 100, where where do you think we're at in our progress to getting to the top of that mountain on a scale of one to 100? About minus four. Four. Okay. (laughs) you said minus four. Minus four. Yeah, we we underground right now. Okay.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I don't have it. I don't see pie in the sky. Right. I'm not this, oh, oh, well, everything can be great. No. And even if we get the race situation solved, we'll still have wars and rumors of wars. People will fight over religion or people will fight over economics or people will fight over anything. And there'll always be something we can fight about. Mm-hmm. Fight about something you can change. Mm-hmm. Don't fight about skin color. Yeah. You can't change it. And it's time to stop fighting about it. Mm-hmm. And all these other things that we do, all these other ugly little things we do, we base them on how we are allowed to treat black people in this country. If it's all right to treat George this way because he's a person of color, then why isn't it all right to treat this person who's Jewish this way? Why isn't it all right to treat this person who's gay this way? It's all, if we can do it to this person, Why why isn't it all right to do it to these others? I'll tell you why. You choose your religion, and you can hide your gender, but you can't hide your color, and you can't choose it. And it's time for us to stop real, start realizing that and put a nonsense to just one. I just want to solve one problem.
2: Right. But you would
1: be amazed, you would be amazed at the problems you would solve by solving that one.
0: Yeah, that's real.
2: That is, you got a point there. I know
0: know we're up against the clock. Um, William, you got any final questions?
2: No, I just have a question of fun. How is it to meet Killer Mike? <laughs>
1: that was fun, but I'll tell you, it was as, just as much fun to meet T.I. Harris, Tip Harris. That was even more fun. We you know, you go to one of those concerts and it's ruined my hearing forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as I sat I said, Oh oh yeah, that's that's fun to be with those two men and to hear those two men discuss what's happening in this country is like getting a college education.
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Those guys sit down, I listened to Killer Mike and somebody was working with him one day at supper. And I listened to those two guys, and I thought, oh, my God, these guys know so much more than I do. Why in the world are they listening to me for even an instant? It was just absolutely fantastic. The amount they know and the amount they have to know in order to succeed, and they are succeeding beautifully. Mm -hmm. T.I. Tip Harris is one of the smartest men I've ever known. Come to find out, both he and Killer Mike went to the same school. Okay. And... And Tip Harris was in jail. So, you know, they just, they have so many experiences. And in spite of what white people think about them, say about them, say to them, they are succeeding. And who was it said, no power on earth can stop a man with a dream or an idea whose time has come. Mm. No power on earth was able to stop Martin Luther King Jr. We killed him, but the dream is more alive now than it was then. And no power on earth is going to be able to stop the idea of one race. That is an idea whose time has come and no power on earth is going to be able to stop it. And all those people of those different colored groups and different gender groups and different religious groups in the streets today protesting what happened to those two black males at the hands of our so-called educated police force, they are saying, you're not going to stop this. We are going to, we will overcome. We right. as a war, we as a country will overcome this racism because we aren't stupid. You can't fix stupid. We are ignorant, and you fix ignorance with education. I believe that. I believe that if we had had proper education in the 15th and 16th century, we wouldn't be in the position we're in today.
2: So, so. That's so, Jane, are you – have you stopped doing your exercise because of COVID, or are you – I would still do the exercise, but I'm too old for this nonsense. You
1: understand that? <laughs> and, and I'm a bit—I'm a bit too aggressive now because I get really nasty when a blue-eyed person acts the fool, and I—I I don't have any patience with that anymore. I would do the exercise to make a film about it so that they could make an updated film. But other than that, I, and I charge too much. People don't want to pay what I charge because. That's hard work, and it's three days of hard work. And look, I'm 86 years old, mm-hmm. and I'm not ashamed of that. I'm glad to have gotten this far, particularly in view of the number of people people who have threatened to kill me. So I think I'm living a I'm living a char charmed life here. <laughs> and now, when I go on a college campus, there are always those three little boys down there talking about. They've got that red hat on that says "Make America Hate Again," it says "Great Again," but it means "Hate Again." And I stop what I'm saying. I say, "Look, fellas." I know what you're talking about. You'd like to see me dead because of what I do to decrease the level of racism in this country. You go ahead and kill me. I don't care. My husband's gone, and I'd like to be with him. But go ahead and kill me, but you need to be warned. If you kill me, you might make a martyr out of me, and then you might have to spend the rest of your life celebrating Jane Elliott Day once a year. Now, you want to do that? (laughs) Then they all do this. No, no, no. I say, fine, then shut up and pay attention. And then they shut up and pay attention. You have to
2: get their attention. It's kind of like training mules. Would you like to see your exercise continue, or...? Boyd, go when you go.
1: Look, my exercise is continuing based on skin color all day, every day.
2: Okay.
1: I want to see the skin color exercise stopped. But I want to see trained, educated, civil individuals in schools use this exercise. But I don't want everybody to take on this exercise. I've tried to train 20 people, 10 at a time. And out of those 20 people, three are fit to do the exercise. Mm. The others say, this is too harsh. I can't be that mean in my classroom. I think, right, and I believe that. There are three people who do, two of them are working in Netherlands, and they work with police forces in Netherlands. The exercise works. If it didn't work, we wouldn't have racism.
2: Right. Mm. If
1: the skin color exercise didn't work, we wouldn't have racism. And the skin color exercise is based on somebody with power, economic power, forcing everybody else to behave the way he tells them to behave. And it's working better now, the skin color exercise, in this country, because we have that kind of person in the White House, which ought to be called the president's residence. Because I I remember when Richard Nixon said to a group of white reporters, I'm trying to save the White House for you white people. And I thought, oh my God, is that what this man is about? Mm
2: -hmm. That was
1: a major piece of information for me. It's time to change you. Words are the most powerful weapon devised by humankind. We use them to destroy people all day, every day. And the longer word you can say, the more power you seem to have. All right, let's cut it up into little pieces. Here's what's going on. People are acting like fools because they've been taught to act like fools. Let's change what they're being taught and teach the truth. And then we can get rid of some of this foolishness. My dad would say, you know the difference between right and wrong. Do the right thing, goddammit!" it. And that's exactly what he meant. We know the difference. We know what's right. So why don't we do it? Because it's easier to go along to get along. You'll never make progress that way. You'll be on a corduroy road for the rest of your life.
2: So in the closing minutes, can you, can you give a word of encouragement to the young folks? Because, you know, my age, I am supporting uh, through contributions and whatnot and talking about it. My church has me talking about it. Um, what encouragement can you give to the young folks? Um, today- Keep on acting out. Keep on acting
1: out. Keep on demonstrating. Keep protesting until you have nothing left to protest. Nobody kicks a dead dog. Nobody kicks a dead dog. Keep right on protesting. Keep on get together. Get together in groups of all kinds and make this thing change. Get together and go out and get people on November 3rd and take November, November 2nd or 3rd, whichever it is. Take people, old people, to the polling booths. Get these people to vote. Change this situation. There are enough young people in this country to unseat the people in the House of Representatives, and the White House. We've got to have these st- students, young people from the age of three up have to become active citizens, not passive. Throw away your cell phone, unless you want to call the police, and get do something besides entertain yourself. Mm-hmm. Educate yourself. Self-education can solve the problem because you can't depend on what you learn in school, but you can self-educate. Go to my website, download the printed learning materials, The first is a set of commitment of um, uh, typical statements that white folks make that think they're not being racist. Then go to the clarifications of those statements, how they are perceived by those who hear them. Then go to the commitments to combat racism. Pick out one of those that you haven't done and do it for a month. Become active about changing your own level of racism. And now somebody's going to say, well, racism is a societal problem. Societies are made out of individuals. When individuals change their racist behaviors, we will change this society. There no doubt in my mind. And then go to the bibliography and read every book on that bibliography. And don't quit reading until you've read every one. And then you can say that you know more and you will know more than your teachers do. Because most teachers don't read beyond what they have to know in order to get that degree. Am I lying about that?
2: That's a fact. That's a fact.
1: That's a fact. They don't have time. And anyway, they've got television. Television is destroying this civilization, and Marshall McLuhan said it would. Get a book by Marshall McLuhan and see if you think maybe the man was right.
0: Well, Jane, I always um end my shows with this one final question. Uh it's typically a series of questions, but this one question is the most impactful and I always like to get this from everybody. So uh in closing, um, at your at your eulogy, you won't be there to enjoy it, but what message do you want communicated at your eulogy?
1: She did her best. Okay. That's Simply it. Put, she, did her best. she did her best. She lived a human. She died a human. She lived like a human. She died like a human. That's mm-hmm. it. That's all I am. I'm just one more human being.
0: No doubt. Well, I, I can say personally as a 35-year-old man that... Just, just seen. I've seen you over the years, um, and I've noticed that it's it's been nothing but consistency. A lot of times, you see people change their message or change their method, but um, it's it's admirable to see that you have not changed your method and your message for fifty years. Unfortunately, there's still resistance, but that doesn't mean that we have to change. And um, I I admire that about you for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: But you see. The message never changes because the situation never changes. We're still doing what we did in 1968. We're still killing people of color if they disagree with us. And if we aren't very careful in the next six months, we could be in a war so that a whole lot of those people who got put in prison as a result of three strikes and you're out can be taken out of prison and sent to another place to kill some more people of color. We've done that in other wars. Mm -hmm. Right. When we need somebody, when we need killers, we have a ready supply of them. We'll let you out of prison if you'll go into the military. We've done it before. We'll do it again. I'm. Ex- you see, I'm too old. I'm, I've seen these things happen over and over and over. And I've heard people say, we're going to create change. Well, but just teach the same old things. You can't put... New wine in old bottles. Because mm-hmm. the old bottle is still going to affect the the substance that's inside it. We've got to put these silly ideas out of our heads and start thinking about reality instead of the fantasy of four or five different races. It makes no sense. And right now there's a professor out there who is who is deciding on whether or not we are intelligent by the shape of our heads again. Now that was something they did in the 1600s and 1700s. Isn't we that need called, to like, absolutely phrenology
0: or something like that. What what is that called?
1: Well, yeah, yeah. And we're doing it again, and we need to say, "No fool, we have discounted that whole thing." You need to realize that you're wrong, and do not listen to this person. But people are going to because it will prove that we white people have big heads. You know, we're pretty big-headed, most of us, and that will that obviously that's the reason we have all these. Possibilities. We have these possibilities because we're willing to kill to get our way. Oh. Period. Yeah. If you don't agree with me, I'll kill you. We've done it before, and we'll do it again. And we need to realize that. I didn't. I want to end on a happy note. We'll now all read Psalm number five and sing a hymn. No, I want those called herms too. <laughs>
2: anyway, <laughs> all right. No, it's 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 been a swell talking with you, and like. Manuel said, your, your story has stayed the same, and that's what, that's what we need to hear, not changing when, because this is a new fad. Yours has always been consistent, and I truly- The
1: situation has changed the same, and if you haven't seen this magazine, for, and in this magazine is a map that showed where we came from and how those brilliant black people moved from the area of the equator and populated land masses all over the face of the earth. Now this map should be up on the wall of every classroom in every school in the United States of America, because it tells the truth about where we came from and how we got where we are. And they did that without any modern technology. And I want to know how. You want to talk about brilliance? Now we can talk about brilliance. That's a fact. (laughs) That, that is a fact I believe in facts I believe in facts